what does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our lives doing so many things, transporting our kids around, spending too many hours in the office, trying to find time to spend with our spouse. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Did you know that in a week, there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending 80 of those related to our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. All right, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad that you are listening. We, at this point, should be up on every streaming podcast Yay, platform. Yay, we did it. <laughs> yeah, so you should be able to subscribe to us, whether you're using Stitcher or iHeartRadio or your podcast app on your iPhone. Or Spotify. Or Spotify. So subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. We want you to catch all our episodes that we do once a week. And one of the things we're doing, and by the way, I'm Matt Wolf. My name is Sawyer Trapp. And we're glad to be having this podcast, the 10,000, because we are here to help you find God in your 10,000. Right. And one of the things we're going to do in this is take questions from people. We realize that in your 10,000, you have lots of questions. How does faith apply in this part of my mm-hmm. life? Yeah. So if you do have a question, you can send it in to us. And send it to Sawyer. Send it to strap at stapletonchurch.com. And that's trap with two Ps. Two Ps. Strap with two P's at stapletonchurch.com. <laughs> send me all your questions. And send in any questions you have, and we'll try to get to them. But we have a question, our first question. That's right, first question. Could you read us our first question, Sawyer? Yes, definitely. It says, I have a biblical question. I was reading First Corinthians, and Paul is talking a lot about judging others. I thought that was God's job. I'm a little confused. Thanks for any insight. Yes, that's a good question. I think it's a really good question. I just want to read for a second these verses. Okay, this is what Jesus said literally. Do not judge. There it is. Matthew 7, 1, just the first half of the hours. Do not judge. Boom, done, move on. So that's it. That's the, that's the answer. That's the answer. But then what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 5? In the second half of verse 12, he says, Are you not to judge? What? Are you not to judge? What? How do those things fit together? Jesus says, don't judge. Paul says, judge. Judge. Contradictory, right? What do we do with that? I think it's time to throw out the Bible. We don't need it. Yeah. There's contradictions in it. Let's find a better book. <laughs> no, I don't think that's what we do. No. No. Definitely not. In fact, the first thing that you should ever do, because there's these things that we call apparent contradictions. Mm-hmm. They appear at first to contradict itself in the Bible. Right. Whenever that happens, and it does happen... We need to look at both passages Mm -hmm. and actually look at the context. Are we reading this correctly in the context it is written? Yeah, we want to read the verses around them. We want to look at the situation that that person is talking about, what they're actually saying in the section that they're speaking in. Because what you find out is when you do that, when you examine really closely one of those verses, Mm -hmm. you realize, okay, it actually means something a little different than I thought it means. And there is a way to combine this with this other verse from this other passage. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not contradictory. Actually, they fit together. Sometimes they build on each other. Right. Um, 
So what what do you think it's talking about there when Jesus is talking about saying don't judge? Well, I think it helps to read it. So let's okay. look at the context. Cool. So in this passage in Matthew chapter 7, it also occurs in Luke chapter 6, mm-hmm. uh, a very similar saying. Jesus said, do not judge, do not judge, or you too will be judged. But then he says in verse 2, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, he's saying, okay, you are judging people. You're not supposed to, but you are. But then he says something even more interesting in verse 3. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Mm -hmm. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Plank eye. Remember that band? Yeah. (laughs) You hypocrite, verse 5, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, hey, don't judge because you are going to be judged. If you judge another person according to how they're living their life, that's the standard you're going to be judged against. Mm -hmm. And we are very hypocritical, as Jesus points out. And he says, before you do that, you look at this little sawdust. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. some sawdust there. Mm -hmm. He isn't saying there's no sawdust. Everybody's (laughs) perfect. Just get along. He's saying, if you see that little bit of sawdust, take the dang plank out of your own eye first. That two by four that's just whacking everyone. That's what these two by fours are. If you hold it up to your eye and you move around with it, I'm going to hit you in the head, right? Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And this is what happened. You have this huge glaring sin in your life, and you don't even notice it or think about it. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody does it. Uh, No, it is a big deal. It's Mm -hmm. sin. It's awful. Get rid of it. And then, Jesus says, and then you can talk to the other person. That's Mm -hmm. when it comes to the step of judging another person. But not only that other person, but look at what it says. It says brother. Yeah, you're right. In verse 3, your brother's eye. So yeah. this implies a relationship, mm-hmm. that there's a, a, a strong connection between two people. a right. relationship. I know you. You know me. We're brothers or sisters in Christ. Right. And that actually segues really well to what's happening in 1 Corinthians 5. So if we look at the beginning of the chapter, what Paul is actually talking about in the church of Corinthians, he says, that there's a case of incest happening. This man is sleeping with his father's wife. So he's basically sleeping with his stepmom. Sounds like an episode of Game of Thrones. It's kind of, it kind of does. I've never, yeah. <laughs> never seen the show, but I've heard about yeah. it. Yeah. And then basically, he, he calls it for what it is. He says, and you're proud of this. Like, you're celebrating this. Like, mm. why are you doing that? That shouldn't be what you're doing. You should be calling this person to an account. Yeah. You should be holding them accountable. Why? Why? We're not supposed to judge anyone, Sawyer. Well, think about, look at what it says at the end. Are you not, this is the second part of verse 12, are you not to judge those inside? Inside. If we look at the first part of verse 12, what business of mine is to judge those outside of the church? So what Paul is, is calling those people to is saying, you're in the church together. You have relationship with one another. You're brothers and sisters in Christ. Hold each other accountable. We, we shouldn't judge, we can't judge somebody for their eternal destiny. We don't know that. Right. But we know how people are living now, and if they claim to follow Jesus, if they're in the church, then we should be encouraging them. We should be judging them, not in a sense of bringing them down, but to bring them back up, to bring them mm-hmm. out of what they're doing that's wrong. That's good. Yeah, you're right. There is that time where we even need to not just encourage, but rebuke a person. Yeah. Rebuke a person because they are engaging in a terrible, blatant, outright sin. But that's super hard. Yeah. Like, it is that that seems daunting. Like if if somebody in the church that I would know yeah. 
is going through that and I have to call them out on that, that seems super hard. It is. And if it's not daunting, that means you have a plank in your eye. You're like, <laughs> I can handle this. This is, no, this is easy. I can go talk to that person. No, no, no. You should be doing it with some trepidation, I yeah. believe. Um, and, and Jesus did, not only in Matthew 7, but in Matthew 18 and some other mm-hmm. places, give us some suggestions, even some principles that yeah. we should follow when we do this. And I think chapter 7 of Matthew is really helpful because he says, before you judge the other person, examine yourself. There should be some confession and repentance if you realize, I don't have a leg to stand on, mm. then don't try to stand on it. You'll fall right. over. Um, but if, if you do, you've examined yourself and you feel like, okay, I'm right with God. I don't have this sin in my life. Um, then I hope in prayer you will go to that other person mm-hmm. that you have a relationship with, yeah. your brother. right? Your brother. So if you don't know them, there's someone in your church, but you don't know them probably isn't your job to do it. Now you're just like gossiping and slandering about a person you don't really know. But if you have that relationship, you know them, you care about them, they know you care about them. Mm -hmm. You can go to them and approach them in love. And Jesus said, first, go by yourself. If you're talking to everybody else about how awful this person is because they're sleeping with their stepmom or something crazy like that, then you are sinning. (laughs) You're not doing good. So you go individually to them and say, hey, in love, in kindness, in grace, in truth, you tell them, Hey, there's this sin that's going on. I, I think it needs to stop. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, if at that point they're unrepentant, and they're like, I'm going to do this. Right. I can do whatever I want. Then it says bring uh, two or three. Mm-hmm. You know, Then you bring a buddy or a two other people, in, and you go together and hopefully prayerfully talk about it, consider it what you're going to say, and then you go and approach this person mm-hmm. and talk to them and say, this isn't okay. Um, we need to stop this. This is like... Basically, like an intervention. Basically, People do today. Yeah. This is, you know, secular intervention is based on this biblical mm-hmm. passage from Jesus. You're going to this person and saying, in love, you've got to stop what you're doing. It's destroying your life. And then Jesus says, at the third point, then you bring the church into it. Mm-hmm. You bring the leaders of your church, your pastor, your elders, and say, hey, this is a situation that's not okay because someone is living this in this way that's, that's not good. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier that I thought was really good about the point. The 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 goal is to build them up. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? I think it, it, we often think of judgment as like, you know, this bringing punishment on another person. Yeah. But it, all it means is just bringing an account against someone. Yeah. So acknowledging what they're doing, but with the purpose of actually lifting them up, because the judgment that we're bringing, like like it says in in First Corinthians, is so this person will stop sinning, and so they, this problem won't be affecting the church as a whole. We want to lift that person out of that sin. We want to help that person follow Jesus and not have this sin in their life. We want to bring them up. Yeah, the point is restoration. Yeah, absolutely. It's not condemnation. No. Yeah, the, the point is to bring them back into relationship with God and with the church. Mm-hmm. We never do this to bring someone down. Right. I hate you. Get out of my church. Like, no, 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 no. It's like, I love you, and I want you to stop sinning because it's destroying yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. In, in Galatians chapter 6, there's two kind of insights into how to do this too. Mm-hmm. too. In, in verse 1 of Galatians 6, it says, Restore the person gently. Mm. There has to be some tenderness and tact and yeah. love. Ooh, these conversations are so hard. Definitely. You ever have them? Man, it's caref- you got to be careful mm-hmm. in what you say. And in the second thing, in verse 2, it says, Carry each other's burdens. Mm. In the same context. Yeah. I think they go hand in hand. You have now told this person, you're living in sin, you've got to stop. Now they may say, you're right, but I'm really struggling. I I am so tempted by this thing, I can't stop Mm -hmm. turning to this person or turning to this drink. What do I do? Then it's our job to help them. 
Right. Your so, job doesn't end with just bringing it to no, them. No, no. In fact, that's the beginning. That's the beginning. Yeah. Now comes the real hard part, right. carrying their burden and helping yeah. them overcome that thing that they're struggling with. Absolutely. So I hope that this helped answer that question. I know this is a tricky one, mm-hmm. but um, judging others. <laughs> Don't judge me. Well, sometimes we need to. Sometimes you need to. In the church, in relationship, in love. Yep. All right. Um, so we're going to keep going in our series through the Proverbs of the book of Ecclesiastes. We're returning there again right now. We finished up chapter 7 mm-hmm. last week, and now we're jumping ahead a little bit because a lot of these passages we're actually covering on Sunday mornings in our series. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yep. But we're going to jump ahead to chapter 9. And just a small section, we're going to cover verses 13 to 18. So the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Verse 13 says, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. So he's telling a story. Verse 14. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. This is like catapults, siege towers. They're going to town. They're climbing the walls. They're climbing the walls, yeah. Verse 15, now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. Hmm. Yeah. Reading that, I mean, it's true, right? But I think in, in the world that we live in, we often see the opposite. We see people living out of power, okay. living out of that strength, living out of that desire to be in a position of power over other people. Right. And it, it reminds me of a boss that I used to have a while ago, and this person w- was, yeah, let's just say that they ruled <laughs> with an iron fist. Yeah. They were, they were feared, but they weren't really respected. Or loved. Or loved. Well, certainly. <laughs> So, yes, I mean, people did things for him. The the job was done, but not done in a way that was actually good. Yeah. Not done in a way that was helpful. Um, During during this manager's tenure, we had a lot of turnover. And so you could tell people were unhappy. It wasn't a good fit for them. And it it just wasn't a good working environment. Right. And turnover is really bad for companies. It costs a lot of money. It does. You have to do all that training, all that work, all that hiring. And so it wasn't a situation where you really wanted to stay in. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. The person wasn't leading wise so much as they were leading from a position of strength. Yeah, you're you're definitely right. When you lead from that position of power like this king, you think that you're going to be powerful and you can get stuff done and everything's going to be good. But in this story that he tells, this is probably based on a true story, is that actually the poor man who was wise was able to save this entire city from the strong king who came against the city in war. So it wasn't, it wasn't the powerful one that saved the city. It was this poor but wise man. Yeah, so it's better to be smart than strong. Right. That's why nerds win, right? <laughs> the nerds are winning today. Like you in go. our society, that's true, right? It's the nerds. It's not the powerful person. It's not the strong person, not the person with the position. It's the person who's wise and smart and can handle situations. Yeah. But then the last part of this story kind of makes it a little a dimmer view of the wise man. Mm-hmm. Because it says, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. In fact, before that, in verse 15, it says that he is not remembered. Why is that? 
I, th- I think it's because it's really easy to forget. We live in such a, a culture, and, and in Solomon's world too, obviously, that we keep falling back onto strength, falling back onto position, falling yep. back onto power. Yep. And even though this wisdom, this wisdom of this poor man had saved the entire city, everybody forgot. Yeah. And I think it's often those those small, seemingly insignificant things that can change things dramatically. Yeah. Do you know about the bifurcated needle? I, I don't know anything about the bifurcated needle. Okay, so the bifurcated needle, <laughs> I was just reading up on this. Okay. It, it's, it's a needle that's basically split in the middle, and it comes to a V point. Okay. And this needle revolutionized and eradicated smallpox, huh. the disease of smallpox, something that we don't even think about anymore. Yep. Because it could hold the little, I don't know, molecules of the smallpox disease yeah. in the two needles and allow it to be inserted perfectly underneath the skin so it could be defeated. Hmm. Smallpox was a disease that killed like 20 to 60% of the people that infected. Yeah. For yeah. kids, it was almost 70%. Yep. This was a disease that ravaged the 20th century. Like mm-hmm. 300 to 500 million people died in the 20th century due to smallpox. Wow. And it's not even something we think about anymore. Right. The wisdom of the bifurcated needle in order to get that smallpox disease in there just perfectly yeah. so the body could defeat it effectively eradicated this disease. Right. And we don't even know what smallpox is. No. We don't I even think about it anymore. Heard about it. Right. We learn about it in history books because of the bifurcated needle. And I've, never, I've never thought about the bifurcated needle. There you go. I think that's interesting. Did you know how, how Jonathan Edwards died? No. The great American theologian, right? Mm-hmm. He died because there was a smallpox vaccine before the bifurcated needle, I'm, I'm guessing, and he took it to show that it was safe because everybody was afraid of it, and then he died. Oh, the irony. Isn't that sad? Yeah, that I mean, is really sad. Pretty tragic. He died. He was pretty young when he mm-hmm. died. But, yeah, I mean, that's incredible. So what you're saying is, like, something as small as that needle, like, it's forgotten. We don't think about it. No. But it has saved hundreds of millions of lives. Yeah. Not only in the 20th century, but continuing on. But ongoing. Ongoing. None of us Forever. Have, yeah. Like, we don't even think about smallpox. No. It's, it's eradicated. And that's that last point. We, we forget about those small things. Mm-hmm. We forget about the wise things that actually can make a huge, dim, big impact. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, you know. This idea of the, the wise thing, the smart thing, being able to defeat the big thing, mm-hmm. that's like the plot of a lot of movies. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a well-known Hollywood gateway. Right. Lots of movies. You know, yeah. you're not strong enough to beat this, this person, <laughs> but you can be smart. You can outthink them. Mm-hmm. Wiser. You know, I was even thinking in Star Wars. You know, I, I love Star Wars. Who doesn't? I mean, yeah, it's great. Uh, in the episode four, that was the first episode mm-hmm. created, right? Right. Luke Skywalker at the end of it flies... The X-Wing spoiler alert to destroy the, the <laughs> Death Star. I think it's okay at this point. Yeah, it's okay. 30 years later. 40 years later. Uh, it flies to Death Star, and he, he shoots that rocket, and, and he knows exactly where to put it, mm-hmm. and he by the force, he gets the rocket right into right. the heart of the Death Star and destroys the great behemoth that's this powerful, strong force. Mm-hmm. But he gets all the credit, right? Right. But if you think about it, like, how did he even know that? Well, Interestingly enough, now years later, they've made one of the non-episode episodes. Yeah, yeah. Rogue One. That's right. Yeah, Rogue yeah. One. I really liked Rogue One. It was good. It was good. It was great. And that's a great episode because it tells the story of how the Rebels got the plans to the Death Star. Right. Because somebody was smart enough, wise enough to realize there's this great big behemoth Death Star that's literally going to destroy planets mm-hmm. with its laser beams. 
we need to get the plans so that we can find the weakness and therefore exploit the weakness and maybe win against this great power. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody was wise enough to think that up. Sure. And then other people were wise enough to figure out a plan to steal the plans for this Death Star. Yeah. And that's what that story's about. How many people gave their lives just to get these plans in their hands mm-hmm. for the Rebel Alliance. They get the plans. They send them back up to the ship. Yep. Leia gets them. She puts them in R- R2-D2. Yeah. And they finally end up... Luke gets it, gets the droid. Think about all that had to happen behind Luke actually shooting the shot that took down the Death Star. But Luke's the star who gets the medal, right? Right. You don't even... I can't even remember the names of the Rogue One uh, Jin Erso is the... Which one was that? She, she's the, the oh, daughter was, of the scientist. Okay, she, she yeah. But there's she's a bunch the, of other... She's the hero. Right. And I didn't remember her name. Okay. I know oh. Luke Skywalker's name. Right. Yeah, and that's the point. Like, the, the wise person is forgotten, mm-hmm. even though they have accomplished a lot. Right. Because we tend to forget about it. Mm-hmm. We care about those people who are in position, those people who are in power, those people who talk a lot. Mm-hmm. That's our next proverb. Yeah, that transitions so well <laughs> to the next verse. It says, The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Yeah, I, I think that's really good, because... We focus so much on the shouts mm-hmm. because it's louder. Right. It's easier to hear the person who talks loudly, especially when that person isn't in a position of power. Yeah. We're going to listen to them over than the wise person who's quiet mm-hmm. and speaks wisely. I think this is really evident today in our society because of social media. Oh, yeah. Everybody so is giving a pla- given a platform and in turn given a megaphone. And if they say something, then it gets retweeted. Or it gets reposted. Mm -hmm. And then it gets picked up by not just social media, but the media. Mm -hmm. And it gets blasted and blasted and louder and louder. And the more people are saying it and the more celebrities are endorsing it, then it's got to be true, right? Right. Well, it's not always true. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem. Again and again, um, I I just saw a follow-up on a news story. I had seen it when it happened, but Mm -hmm. there was a woman, I believe in Minnesota, working at Chipotle. Okay. Just... And the checkout at Chipotle. I love Chipotle. Who doesn't? Yeah. I know. And there was uh, some kids that came in right before closing time. Mm. And they wanted to get some food. And she said, no, we're not going to serve you. And they took videos of her. And because these kids were African American, they took videos of her and called her a racist. Mm. That she was racist against them. And because they tweeted that. And it got retweeted, and then it got viral. It went viral. Everybody's calling this this girl a racist. How terrible! How could Chipotle have someone like this? She gets fired by Mm -hmm. Chipotle. That becomes a news story, Mm -hmm. and CNN, uh, you know, all the major news sources are picking up this story until somebody, uh, a quiet, discernible (laughs) person, looked on these kids' Twitter feed. And found out that before they had done this, they had actually dined and dashed multiple times, mm. even at that Chipotle. Wow. So this woman working the register recognized them, knew they were people who were trying to get their food before paying. Right. And she said, no, you need to pay first before you can get your food. Mm-hmm. Oops. But because it was so loud, everybody believed it. And this follow-up story was about how her whole reputation has been ruined. Mm. Because everybody listened to the person who was louder than yeah. the person who was quiet and wise. Yeah. It's so easy that we, we, we equate volume, we equate position, and we equate power with truth. Yeah. With wisdom, even. Yep. But that's sadly not always the case. 
Right, and, and we need to be careful because the people that speak the loudest are usually the people in the positions of power mm-hmm. or they're the people that are on a news network, yeah. whether it's CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, because they have their own TV program. If they say something, then it's true mm-hmm. and it's the right thing or the wise thing. And maybe it could be the mm-hmm. right thing. Yeah, it could, could be, be true, but it might not be. We, we need to listen sometimes to the quiet person. Yeah. The people that speak their truth, that speak it quietly, speak it from a position of humility. Yep. Yeah. And I think that brings us to our last verse, our last mm-hmm. proverb of this section. Verse 18 says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, hmm. but one sinner destroys much good. Yeah. Yeah, this verse kind of, at one level, it, it sums it all up. It goes back saying that that wisdom is, is what saved this city from the weapons of war. Yep. That saved it from the power and strength of these siege works against it. You can imagine this huge army outside of the city, but this one wise man, once again, has saved the city, even against the power and strength of these weapons of war. Yeah. And that smarts and, and wisdom and wise counsel allows you to be a person that fights against even the weapons of war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what about that second half of the verse? What does that mean? I, but I think in the same token, he kind of flips the truth on its head. Okay. Just, just as one wise person can save an entire city, mm-hmm. a non-wise person, somebody living for themselves, somebody living against God, a sinner, destroys much good. Mm-hmm. And so just as one good person in a city can save the city. One bad person can destroy much good, mm-hmm. can destroy the goodness, the wisdom of a lot of people. One person can have a lot of power. Yeah. Even yeah. with their sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of it. One rotten CEO can destroy a business and cost thousands of people their jobs. Yeah. Based on some bad decisions mm-hmm. that they make. Or even moral failures. Yeah. I, I think that's true in the church. I mean, we've yeah. seen... Pastor after pastor, it seems, that have made choices and decisions that have only, at one level, thought they would affect themselves, right? Yep. They've made decisions and choices, but in reality, that has destroyed churches. Yeah, and it's destroyed other people's faiths. Yeah. Yeah, one person can destroy so much good. Mm-hmm. Hey, it even happens on the basketball court. You remember a few years ago in the NBA Finals? <laughs> I mean, it, really, one person can destroy a whole team. Yeah. Draymond Green, Golden State Warriors... A few years ago, they were playing the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. LeBron James was on the Cavaliers at the time. Okay. He's not in the playoffs this year. No, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe next year. The Golden State Warriors were winning. They had already won a couple championships. They were a phenomenal team. Maybe the best team of this decade. Maybe one of the best teams ever. Yeah. But then Draymond Green can't control his emotions and his temper, and he punches LeBron James right where it counts. Oof. Yeah. Right in the family jewels. And the king, you know, gets punched, right? And Draymond Green then gets ejected from the game and suspended mm-hmm. for a couple games, I believe. Well, now he's out, one of their best players, yeah. and the Golden State Warriors go on to lose the finals, mm. lose their championship. The team was sunk because of one person's moral lapse or yeah. moral failure. Or, you know, that, that's one person can cause so much damage. Yeah, definitely. Or you think about the, the original couple group of Russians that were discovered to be doping. Obviously, they found a lot more after that. But you think about how their decisions... This is in the last Olympics. Yeah, to yeah. cheat at the Olympics, at the previous Olympics. A lot of people didn't get to compete. They had to compete under a neutral flag. Russia 
And the nation of Russia didn't compete in the 2018 Winter Olympics because yeah. of a couple people's, a handful of people's decision to not obey the rules. Right. That their choice dramatically changed the course of the entire team. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a huge impact. And that deflated the pride of a nation. Yeah. Yeah. We don't mind because we're Americans, right? But, <laughs> but the point is, is that, yeah, uh, we need to listen to the person, not the person in power, mm-hmm. because these people can do awful things, but listen to the person who's wise. Yeah. We need to be careful about who we're listening to. And I think that means practically we need to be careful what our intake is. Mm-hmm. What are we taking into our ears, into our eyes every single week? What kind of media are you watching? Do you watch a certain type of news? Is it worth it? Is it something that's giving you wisdom or is it something that's harming you? The TV shows you watch, the podcasts you listen to, you should listen to podcasts like this more often, (laughs) right? That are giving you good biblical content, not junk. Mm -hmm. Because someone can just, they have a loud voice, they have a big platform, they might not be the person you should listen to. Mm -hmm. We need to be smarter about the content that we're taking in. Right. And if we already have a platform, if we have a position, if yeah. we're in a person that's leading other people, a position of power, yeah, then we need to wield that wisely too. We need sure. to be people that people look up to, that people can respect, that people look to wisdom to. And I think part of having wisdom, on the other hand, is acknowledging that you don't have all the answers. Sure. That you need to listen to wise counsel, that you need to listen to that quiet voice of wisdom. That even though you have that position of power, you have that loud voice that you can speak to, to still listen to those quiet voices of wisdom that can dramatically change your entire family, your organization, your business, the church, you know, whatever situation you're in. Yeah, just because you're in a position or you have certain power doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a boss, you should listen to your employees. They know a thing or two. In fact, they probably know more about your customers than you do. Mm-hmm. If you're the parent... Maybe your kid knows a thing or two. It's (laughs) worth having a conversation and finding out more before you just jump in there and say, I'm the parent, what I say goes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of humility here in this wisdom Mm -hmm. because sometimes being smart is better than being strong. Being wise is better than being in a position of power. And that's why nerds win, right? That's right. (laughs) Which is good for me because I am no bodybuilder. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Again, make sure you subscribe to The 10,000 Podcast. Have a good one. Girl, look at everybody. Girl, look at everybody. I work out. Girl, look at everybody.